We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From the WEEI studios, the home of the Red Sox, 93.7, WEEI-FM, HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI. Kansas City, how we feeling today, baby? How we feeling? Kansas City with the world champs, can I get a hell yeah? Hey, we just want to say we appreciate everybody that's here today. We're back again. We're back again. Before we started this season, the AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world champs. We're world champs. I just want to let y'all know that this is just the beginning. We ain't done yet. So I'll make sure to hit y'all back next year, and I hope the crowd's the same. Appreciate y'all. Let's go, baby. There you go. There you go, New England. It's Patrick Mahomes, a.k.a. Kenny Powers. Everyone said he sounded like Kenny Powers with that Oh, beat. that's hilarious. He does. Does. He really does. Let me tell you something. I don't even know what rebuilding is, man. I can't. Oh, I will never not hear that as Kenny Powers now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You know what my favorite Kenny Powers moment is? Is uh, when he comes out with the flag and he does that whole dance and there's the fireworks going out and he grabs the flag and he's waving it around and then he throws it on the ground and then the groundskeepers come out and he goes, pick that up. <laughs> it's the most important thing in the world. Don't ever let that flag touch the What ground. a great show. <laughs> Disrespectful, man. You picked that flag. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Hilarious. Um. Yeah, there's uh, Kenny Powers Mahomes there. Wasted, by the way, at that thing. Patrick, man, he was he was getting after it. Um, he's up there, by the way, in the pantheon of uh, drunk parade players. I think Marshawn Lynch is number one. Number one with a bullet there, too. Uh, Gronkowski's in the mix. Yeah, I was going to say Gronk. Shirtless Gronkowski with the beard, chugging the beers. And... Um, I mean, Mahomes is right up there. Oh, what about Brady in the boat parade? Brady in the boat parade, good one. That's yeah. another one too. Although that was, I mean, it was a different parade, obviously. And you saw more of the. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't know how drunk he was till he got off the boat <laughs> and never, had to get carried away. Yeah, it's got like it's like someone holding them up. Uh, but everybody else, you could sort of tell. Oh, you know who else got drunk in the, the Jared Carabas when the Red Sox won in 2018? Carabas was up on the float, and rumor has it that he yacked. I don't know. I, I, it's a rumor that I heard. I, I can't confirm or deny. 
Rumor has it, though, Carabas yacked. I'm just telling you what I heard. Um, 617-779-7937, there's your phone number. Uh, are the Chiefs a budding dynasty, Stiz? You think they are? I mean, it's 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 looking like it, Christian. One more and they are, yeah, right? They sure. win another one and they yeah. definitely are. Yeah. They win next year like Mahomes just said they would. Then uh, they definitely are. And I'll tell you what else. That may not have been a rebuilding year in the traditional sense because you still have Mahomes and you still spent a ton of money on that old line and they got, you know, guys that that were certainly not uh, inexpensive on the defense too. But look, I mean, you tell me. Patrick Mahomes in that offense, that passing offense, Travis Kelsey's tremendous. Other than Travis Kelsey, if that's all Tom Brady had was just a really good tight end and no Julian Edelman or no James White or no, you know, I'm talking towards the end here. Uh, you know, the other guy, Brandon LaFell, I guess Brandon LaFell kind of counts in the, what I'm talking about right now with the sort of whatever wide receivers who can go out there and, you know, catch a couple of balls but aren't exactly big-time playmakers. Patrick Mahomes didn't need that this year. He didn't need big-time, game-breaking playmaker wide receivers. This is why this is why this year for Patrick Mahomes was so impressive to me. Because you start to wonder, like, okay, and you wonder this about everybody. I mean, your mind just naturally goes there. Mine does. I don't know if yours does, but mine certainly does. Is this guy really this good, or is he the product of bleh? <laughs> you know, like, is he just, is, is Bill Belichick really the best, or is he just the product of having Tom Brady? Is Patrick Mahomes really so great, or was he just the product of Kelsey and uh, Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid? You know, and he just happened to be the quarterback, and that's what it was. He's still got Andy Reid, and he's still got Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill left, and uh, Watkins, all these other wide receivers, basically gone now. And you're there with Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez Scanling and, I don't know, is Miko Hardman still on the team? I don't even know who's still there. You know, Sky Moore, the rookie who didn't do much. And he's winning Super Bowls. And not just winning Super Bowls, but going up against the team in the Eagles, who was pretty rock solid this year. And he made that defense look ridiculous. He What he did to that Philly defense was unbelievable. And this is a Chiefs team, too, by the way that wasn't exactly putting up big numbers like that week in and week out against the AFC. Like You, you look back at some of these games, and they were kind of knockdown, drag-out fights with the Chiefs. They didn't, you know, like you look at some of their bigger games this year, and uh, not all of them were, oh, okay, this team's obviously the best. Like, I didn't, I didn't see that. They played the Bills. It was 24-20 at Arrowhead. Uh, Titans, 20-17. Bengals, they lost 27-24. Like, they weren't putting up 38 points, you know? Like, it just it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of offense. They weren't doing that sort of stuff. Mahomes elevated his game. He elevated his game at the end of the season on a bad ankle against about as good of a defense as there was, uh, and obviously that was left. They were the only team left. But about as good a defense as there is in the NFL. Uh, he put up more points against them than he did against the Bengals or the Jaguars. And it wasn't all everything him, but, like, really, like, what he did, what he achieved, I think sets him apart from a lot of these other quarterbacks. Now, are they a budding dynasty? I'll say this. It's going to be really hard for them to achieve that. I think that what Mahomes did this year is phenomenal, and he deserves a ton of credit for it. To be a dynasty, you got to win again next year, or maybe the year after. The year after, would that still be a dynasty? I think it would be. You know, I mean, they're mincing words here, I guess. But I think that if you if you lose, if you don't win the Super Bowl next year, but you win it in 2025, I think you're still a dynasty. I know, hot take, but, like, that's that's sort of where I, I stand on all that. The reason why I don't think 
that this is going to happen for Kansas City is because I think the AFC is just too competitive. But before you get all excited, Patriots fans, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm not talking about the Patriots being competitive with the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills and, you know, the, let's see what happens with Lamar Jackson, but the Ravens and even the Chargers and some of these other teams. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm not talking about you and your guy yet. You know, that could change, but I'm not. But right now I'm not talking about you. Right now I'm talking about Josh Allen, and I'm talking about uh, Joe Burrow, and I'm talking about Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. Hell, I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence. I know that it was the first time that they did anything, but he just came out the same year as Mac and won nine games this year and had a plus 54 differential, okay? I'm just, you know, like they they were impressive at the end of the year. They finished on a five-game win streak, that team. And then, you know, you got the Dolphins, which we'll see what their QB situation is. But they could be competitive. They could be competitive with the Chiefs. The Dolphins could be. Um, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, then they're competitive with anybody. I mean, you know, like this is sort of this is sort of what I mean. I don't know if the Chiefs are a budding dynasty, but I don't think that them being one or not being one really has anything to do with you, Patriots. I just think that, you know, you're kind of along for the ride right now. At this point, the Patriots are a fringe playoff team with, if they make it to the playoffs, are, for better or for worse, the tomato cans of the AFC. And there's other teams like that. I think the Jets are like that, too. The Titans are kind of like that. Cleveland's like that. The Steelers are like that. Um, I know the Dolphins were a fringe playoff team, but I think, you know, you'd have to take into account what happened with their quarterback. And that's another important factor because he may not ever play again. The Tua era in Miami might be over, and they have to start all over with a new quarterback because it's not going to be Bridgewater. It's not going to be that other guy. Um, But I think that with that coach and those receivers, you could plop anybody above-average quarterback in there and have Miami win 10 games. I do. I think that they're that good. Um, If Jackson leaves Baltimore, then maybe there's an opening there. But right now, you're on the outside looking in. Pats, I'm sorry. You are. Um, Patrick Mahomes, can he... Can he chase Brady? Is there a realistic expectation that Patrick Mahomes, who now has uh, two championships and two MVPs in his first five years as a starter, I don't know how long he's going to play for, but let's say he has a 13-year career, Stiz. How close to Tom Brady does he get? I think he can get close. Five? Five. You think he went that's, five in yeah, 13 that's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking, five. It's not impossible. It's definitely not. I think it's going to be really hard with – the teams I just mentioned, like you got a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC right now. And Mahomes is better than that. I mean, he proved that this year. But you have a lot of guys there with, you know, Joe Burrow, who's 24. What, what's he? I mean, like Josh Allen's still very young. Uh, you got guys here who may get better and may start really challenging. And when that happens, I think it's going to be tough for Kansas City and Andy Reid, who is in many ways, you know, aging himself. I mean, he's still, in terms of offense in the NFL, in terms of running and calling an offense, he's is he's top of the line. He just won the Super Bowl, for God's sake. But he is getting up there. And you wonder how much longer he wants to do this for. I'm curious about that. I wonder how much longer Andy Reid's going to play. <laughs> going to play. Going to coach. be funny if he played. But uh, he's not miles and miles and miles away from Bill Belichick either. Right now, today, he's like 60 games behind him. So, like... You know, if Bill retires and he decides he wants to play another, or I keep saying that, another, wants to coach another however many years, and he's got Mahomes and he's winning 10 games a year, 11, 12 games a year for five years, there's your 60 games right there. And all of a sudden, it's Don Shula, Bill Belichick, and Andy Reid. 
and who knows how many more championships he wins in between then with Patrick Mahomes. You know, you need that. You need that. If you're a great coach, you're going to have to hit your wagon to a great quarterback. I think we all know that. Everybody except Joe Gibbs uh, knows that. Joe Gibbs the only one just won with whoever. <laughs> Give me a quarterback. I don't care. Any quarterback's fine. I'll win the championship. It's all good. <laughs> that, was, that was the Joe Gibbs method. Uh, it's not really like that anymore. It's really not. 617-779-7937. Let's go to Connecticut and talk to Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Rich, hello. Hello. Yo. Yeah, I'd like to talk about Bill Belichick. I think he's completely overrated. He disappointed us a lot. Um, he didn't put a team around Brady the last three years he was there. Uh, I think he's basically, his, his, the league knows what he's up to. And, and you know, releasing the players that he's released. I mean, going back to Curtis Martin, Ty Law, he's let some serious players go in and his uh, plug-and-play philosophy, I, I think, is uh, not, not going to pull the muster anymore. All right, thanks for the call, Rich. I'll just say this. Uh, Curtis Martin, Curtis Martin left with Parcells, didn't he? You talking about Corey Dillon, maybe? Um, either way, doesn't matter. Uh, but the Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, those guys, he let those guys go and kept winning. <laughs> okay, like he he let those guys go. There was a, a dry spell there for about ten years between 05 or oh four and twenty fourteen. Sure, for like nine years, I guess. But then they won three more after that. So you know the guys he's let go hasn't really mattered until it was Tom Brady, and then it mattered. And then all of a sudden, it was not funny anymore. Then all of a sudden, it wasn't okay. Well, we'll be okay because Brady's still here anymore. And listen, that last year with Brady, it wasn't even like that. Last year with Brady, you're one and done at home in the wild card round. So, you know, I mean, people I do, people think romanticize the uh, end of Brady here in New England. It wasn't great. But I also don't think that you necessarily uh, can separate that from Bill Belichick either. 617-779. Uh, 793.7 is the phone number. Vegas Raiders, I read this week, might want Mac Jones. Would you trade Mac Jones? What would you want for Mac Jones? If the, if the Raiders called and said, uh, we want Mac Jones, what would you what would you ask for back? I think for me it would be two second-round picks. That's That would start the bid. I want two second-round picks, and then we can start negotiating. But that's that's the baseline. Where, where would you start this? Or would you not trade I'm not, I'm not, yeah, so I'm not, you know, great at that. But, again, I don't, I'm not sure I'd... I'd Trade Mac Jones. You know, sometimes, what is it? The devil you know is better than the one you don't. Because then we're stuck back at the beginning, you know, and we're right back to square one, and we got to find a new QB. Yeah. You would probably have to do that. If you traded Mac Jones, then I think you could make a real play for Carr or Rodgers or, you know, one of those guys. Because now you're free. Now you have no, there's nothing restricted. You can go out and you can do anything. You know, you can do anything at quarterback. You could trade for a uh, guy you could draft another guy, which would be going back to the drawing board. But, you know, maybe maybe they feel like Mac Jones just isn't the guy now. You know, I think it's, we it's need possible. one more year. Well, let's give Mac one more year and see what, what I can think. do. I, at, least, at least, you know, enough of the year to see if he's up for this or not. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Quick break. When we come back, Joe Missoula, no longer an interim head coach. He's now just a plain old head coach of the Boston Celtics. Uh, we'll congratulate Bazooka Joe on his big achievement, and we'll talk with Jared Weiss at The Athletic. That's all coming up right after trending. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The Bruins return home to face the Islanders. Puck drop at 5 o'clock. The Bees will get a boost in the lineup as Jake DeBrusque will return to action. He's been out since January 2nd with a leg injury suffered during the Winter Classic. 
The Celtics return to action on Thursday against the Pacers. Jason Tatum will be participating in the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend tonight. Tatum was the runner-up to Steph Curry in 2021. The Patriots announced that special teams ace Matthew Slater will return for his 16th season in New England. The longtime captain has played in the second most games in franchise history, only behind Thomas Brady. In Red Sox news, pitcher Brian Bayo has been shut down for a few days due to forearm tightness. This, according to manager Alex Cora. Cora said the team is very confident Bayo will be back pitching on Monday. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. I don't know. I mean, there are, there are a couple of them, Wiggy, but... I mean, one word is like steely. I just thought of that this minute, but he's steely. He is confident. He's, and I just was amazed by him in that first dinner, just how intense he is, how humble he is, how much he wants to soak things in. He's got a lot to teach, but he's all about learning, you know? So it's just that he's an amazing guy. He's a really uh, guy with a lot of great qualities. I mean, he's not just a run the mill. He is, uh, he's, he's very special. Boston Sports Original, WEEI. It's Christian Arkins. It's Diz back there behind the glass, taking your phones at 617-779-7937 is your phone number. That was Wick again. I know we're playing a lot of Wick today, but he did call into Hillman yesterday, I want to say. Is it yesterday, Thursday? What day is today? Saturday? You, Saturday. Know, what I, you know what I did today? It's a swim class with the baby. Ooh. And um, <laughs> baby may or may not have vomited a little bit in the pool today. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't care for swim class today, uh, so I puked too, just so we wouldn't feel bad. Yeah, see, yeah, that's how you do it. And then everyone around me, they got sick too. It was everybody just puking in the pool? <laughs> that didn't happen. None of that actually happened. <laughs> but we did have a swim class today, and it was very early. And now I just I'm <laughs> losing steam quickly. So Joe Missoula, no longer the interim head coach. I think this should have happened sooner than when it did. I think there was no reason to drag this out. I think it was silly. Uh, unless there was players that were really unsure of Joe Missoula, and maybe there were, because I'll tell you, Joe's a bit of a wild card. You know, Joe's a little. <laughs> I don't know. I like Joe. I mean, I like the I like the way he sort of goes back and forth and gives it to the media, and just in general, he's an interesting guy. But he's a little bit of a wild card, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, he was getting a little testy with the media last week. He gets testy with like Abby Chin, you know? Like, yeah, I liked it though. Yeah, you know, he's he's got something to say. He was going at it with Gary. John Corrales, no discrimination. Doesn't matter if you're in the media; you're the enemy. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you, and I'm gonna 
get real defensive about every single thing, and, you know, it's just that's the way it's going to be. And you know what's funny is that I wondered, is he so defensive because he's still the interim coach? Is that why he's all quick to snap at everybody? Is that why he's like doesn't like to be questioned and, you know, hey, look, we're winning, and we're winning because I'm the coach, and lay off me, you know? And you're insecure about it because you're still the interim. They haven't decided that they want to go with me yet. They just sort of put me in here because the other guy, well, we know what the other guy did. <laughs> All right. I have to go over that again. But this wasn't supposed to be my job. I just, you know, I got kind of I got kind of put here and they're not sure they're not sure that they like the job that I'm doing or they're not sure that they like uh my style or maybe whatever. It maybe give a million different things. But they haven't lifted that tag off. And not only that, they haven't lifted the interim tag. And they haven't fired Ime Udoka yet either. So not only am I still the interim coach, but the guy who I'm who's suspended is still here. Yeah, that's a, precar- a precarious situation. It is, in, you know that that would signal to me like maybe they want to go back to him after the suspension's over because it was an indefinite suspension, right? Indefinite. Just so happens they move on from him almost exactly six months after the news comes out. Hmm, that's weird. <laughs> I wonder if it was an indefinite suspension or a six-month suspension. And maybe that was written into some legal document somewhere. And that's why this is all happening at the time that it's happening. I would imagine that has something to do with it. Just thinking out loud. It's a little too It's a little too round of a number, you know what I mean? It's like six months. It was September, and now it's February. I think it's almost to the week. Or maybe it was a week prior. I think. I think it was September 23rd that Missoula was named the coach and they suspended Udoka, which means they probably knew about it a week before, which means it was probably like a six-month severance agreement type of thing, and they didn't want all the details to come out, so they hit as much of it. I don't know exactly. I'm not going to speculate much more than that, but the timing of it does sort of scream six months, you know, like some sort of six-month severance agreement. That's, that's what it looks like to me. Anyway, with that all being said, you still could have taken the interim tag off. If you knew you were going to move on from Ime in six months once the, you know, whatever, once the deadline passed or whatever it was, then you still could have taken the interim tag off of Missoula, and I think you should have. Could there have been a legality issue or? No, I don't think so. Okay. Because if Ime Udoka is suspended, I guess maybe there is, you know, because he's not fired. He's still there, and he's the suspended head coach. So the guy who's coaching right now is the inter. Yeah, maybe, you know what, that might might be exactly right. That might be exact. It fits, because think about it. They just assume would go to Missoula because you. It's not like he's some new guy. It's not like he's someone you just plucked off, you know, the apple cart. He's been in the system. He's been with Brad Stevens. Brad loves him, and uh, he's a guy that everybody knows there. So it's not like it's not like they're. And I know he's a wild card, and I just finished saying how I think he's a wild card. But to them, he's probably not. They all know Joe. Like they all know what kind of guy he is, and that he's a lunatic and everything else. But that being said, that's probably. Close to the bone, I would think. You know, Ime's still the coach. He's suspended, but he's still the head coach. So this guy who's doing the job now has to be the interim head coach because so long as Ime's not fired, we still have to call him something because he's just suspended. And now the suspension's over. He's gone, and because of that, they can remove the interim. But you know what, Stiz? I think I wouldn't be shocked if that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that it was probably, you know, some sort of legal issue. Yeah. I was thinking that, too, but I didn't sort of pull it all together like that. I'm glad. You know what, Stiz? Glad you're here, buddy. I earned my paycheck today. Glad you're here to uh, tie those loose ends. There's up here in my breast a lot of loose ends. <laughs> Never get tied off, but that one did, so thank you. Uh, let's go to David in the car. He's happy about Missoula. Go ahead, David. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the call. I am very it. happy. 
and I can share this with you guys. I am a private investigator. I do. I've done a lot of cases similar to situations what was going on with email. So there, there, there is a lot of legal technical stuff going on. That's why the interim tax could not be lifted. But I am extremely happy. I think Missoula, I knew his dad. His dad coached one of my sons. Um, this kid learned, his dad was a great coach, okay? Never mm-hmm. made it to NBA level, but great coach. I think this kid has learned from the best. Uh, not only the fact that he's been with the Celtics for so long, I think that is a major, major uh, plus there. And I think people are going to be shocked. I know there's a lot of doubters out there, uh, um, Joe, but you know what? People are going to be shocked. This, this kid, he has the right mindset for it in Boston. is perfect for him. He fits extremely well. All right, so David. Thank you for the call, and thanks for uh, checking in. Appreciate it. And so far, I mean, you can't argue with the results. They're the best team in the NBA under Joe Missoula. Now, are they the best team in the NBA because of Joe Missoula? That's a separate question, and I'm not sure the answer to that one's yes, but he hasn't tanked them, that's for sure. Um, I'll say this. I went to the uh, Pistons game on Wednesday, and I was watching the Celtics, and listen, I know Robert Williams only played about 23 games this year, so it's hard to really make this statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. This team this year is very different from last year's team. Not just faces, because there's only a few new faces, but just the way that they, it's not even so much either the way that they play, but it's the way that they win. It's different. Last year's team defensively, used to just choke the life out of every team they played. You know, you'd get to the third quarter and these teams would be stuck on like 55 points because the Celtics just would not let them in the paint. And they'd be bothering them out on the wing and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams were just in perfect harmony, those two. And Williams was, I remember, you know, they'd have the the four on and then Williams would be down there kind of roaming around and he'd get over and block all these shots. He had all these uh, shot block streaks. He was really, uh, you know, I think key to all of it. But not the only key. I mean, there was, you know, Smart's played two, uh, two-thirds of the season so far. And you still have Al Horford, and you still have just about everybody else. And, you know, it's not like it's not like you've moved on from a ton of guys that made you such a great defensive team last year. I just think it goes to show this year that Robert Williams was so key to it. And it's not that the Celtics are a bad defensive team this year. It's just that's not how they win anymore, you know? They get big leads, and then the other team comes back. And then they have to put Tatum and Brown back in in the fourth quarter and close it out. But, like, that's not how it used to go last year. Last year, I feel like these games were over earlier and the other teams didn't get back into them because the defense was just overwhelming. And it's not this year. doesn't mean they're bad or it doesn't mean they can't win the title. It's just it's a difference that I noticed, a, a stark difference from last season to this season. And with that in mind, let's go to the Harbor One Hotline. And say hello to our guest who writes for The Athletic, writes about the Celtics. I'm talking, of course, about the great Jared Weiss, who I saw on Wednesday. Jared, how you doing? I'm good, man. It was good to see you. It was. Wait, did I see you on Wednesday? Now I can't remember. Did I? Did I? What happened? Were you there Wednesday? Yeah, pretty sure I saw yes, you Yes, okay, I did see you. That's right. I was, uh, I was, you know, I was out. <laughs> I was not working like you were. Anyway, uh, Jared, we're at the All-Star break here. The Celtics have the best record in the, in the NBA. Is this, is this what you expected of them like what were your expectations coming into the season and about how uh, close to the close to the bullseye were they with them no I mean this was beyond what I think anybody could have reasonably expected I think them being in the situation that like Philadelphia has been in where they keep kind of hitting that high and then they kind of fade away a little bit and they're a little bit short of first place I think that's where I kind of expected them to be in their best case scenario and it, it wasn't for it wasn't a matter of the talent on the team. It was just that like the chaos was so significant to the end of the season. It's hard to remember how bad things were because they changed things so quickly. 
Like this team settled in almost immediately. They were in first place within like a matter of like what I think when they got the three and zero, they were in first place. That they basically been jockeying back and forth with Milwaukee ever since then. So it's hard to remember how unstable things were entering the season. And it's a testament to yeah. I mean, as much as Joe Mazzula gets credit, like it's really a testament to the players that. They like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have matured as leaders to the point now that alongside with Al Horford, they've established a culture that's consistent and reliable. Jared, if the Celtics could have made Joe Missoula, if they could have removed the tag earlier, would they have? Probably. I, I think that as soon as the EMA situation went down, they knew that was the end with EMA. They knew they weren't going back. And so it was really a matter of working things out with him to ensure that they could part mutually without any further legal considerations and they were hoping that a team like the Nets would hire him. They knew that there were a couple teams out there that were going to do that. And then when the NBA seemed to have put a kibosh to that, they realized that there was really only one way out of the situation. That being said, I mean, he was suspended. He was taking calls for other jobs. Was it a, a, a time limit sort of thing? Cause it was an indefinite suspension, but here we are almost exactly six months removed from it. And it just, it's hard not to notice that. Like it's, you know what I mean? I I don't think that there was I, I don't know of any specific timing as far as that's concerned, but I think it was probably that at the All Star break there was maybe a recognition that there weren't going to be like, he was not going to get hired by another team at this point. Okay, and so you know like Philadelphia was one of the situations where it could have happened. Um, you know like uh, the Lakers probably not. So it's, <laughs> there weren't really too many places where it could have happened. But I feel like Philly and Brooklyn were the two spots where it made the most sense. And when it didn't happen in Brooklyn. They knew that Philly, unless Philly like really cratered and they fired Doc, he probably wasn't going to be going there. So uh, maybe they were waiting him out to see if he would take an assistant job somewhere else, but that didn't happen. And so it seems like at this point they realized that uh, he wasn't going to get a new head coaching gig this year. They were going to have to just part ways with him instead of letting him walk away from it. And so they wanted to make that move, and now it's kind of like that down period within the season where they could kind of get this stuff done. What's Missoula's biggest strength as a coach? Um, besides his, uh, press conference, uh, blank stairs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I mean, with him, his big thing is, uh, I think interpersonal connection and you know, he, he does a lot of the similar stuff that Brad Stevens did as far as making people feel really seen and heard and empowering them. And, you know, I mean, what's so fascinating about this franchise is the sequence of coaches that they've had, you know, they had Stevens. That was the real empath that, established a collective identity and really made players feel seen. It was the true, like, you know, players coach and the respect of giving players room to breathe. The Yumi Odoka was the, you know, the taskmaster, the guy that like would talk trash into their face, like really get under their skin and really push them. And he came in right at the time when they needed it. And then Missoula is able to follow up, I think kind of blending a bit of those because Missoula, he's a real trash talker for sure. He, he knows how to get under guys' skin. He knows how to like really go at guys, but He's really preached from day one things like awareness and patience, and he uses the word love a lot. That's, a, that's what we remember from the Brad Stevens days. And so I think Missoula kind of was the right balance of those two guys to come in at the right time when this team, it's like they've already established that they can win a title, and now it's about can they push themselves that extra step to get there, and it seems like he's the one for the job. All right, we're talking with Jared Weiss here on the Harbor One Hotline. Jared, Jason Tatum's playing a ton of minutes uh, too much or not something to worry about? I, I mean, I think it's too much, and I know Brad Stevens gave, but I think it's a valid explanation that sometimes you need these guys to play those 40-minute games throughout the season so that they don't get to the playoffs and all of a sudden they're playing 40 minutes for the first time. Yeah. That is certainly true, but, like, 
you, if you know that your guy is going to be playing all the way through the playoffs, you probably don't want him leading the league in minutes. And, you know, they, they obviously they have a sports science department that is paying attention to this stuff. They're putting more thought into this than anybody else is. So it's not like they're idiots. They know what they're doing here. But there's a lot of times where Tatum is playing not because they need him to play to get his stamina up and all that stuff. He's playing because they let teams back into the game and they need him to help close it out, stuff along that line. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit here down the stretch run because you just you don't want your guy playing 36, 37 minutes a game right now. It's just not, you know, nobody in the league really wants that. We've seen across the board guys like Giannis only, you know, playing in the low 30s. And those are the guys that are going to be making the deep runs. Yeah, and uh, Jalen Brown's right up there around 36 minutes a game. And speaking of Jalen Brown, uh, Wick Grosbeck was on these airwaves this week, I think yesterday, and said that he personally assured Jalen Brown that he wasn't getting traded and he wasn't involved in trade talks. What do you make of that? Yeah, I remember hearing, I think it was the Monday of deadline week, hearing that Wick had called Jalen as soon as the Kyrie rumor started happening. He called Jalen and said, just so you know, Katie's stuff is about to go down we're not going to get involved with it. We're not going to trade you for him. And I think that was before it was apparent that Katie was definitely going to get traded because I think it was those last 48 hours. There was a lot of movement to the point that we're thinking, okay, there's a really good chance Katie's moving here. Hmm. Um, And so they wanted to assure Jalen at the beginning of the week that that's not happening. And it makes sense, right? Like we've had this debate over and over again, Kevin Durant's better than Jalen Brown. And it's not because of Jalen Brown. It's because of Kevin Durant. He's still an elite MVP caliber player. Health is a concern there, and he's at the age where, like, the drop-off starts to come pretty soon, and we're seeing it with Chris Paul right now. It's a good example. Chris Paul, the drop-off is starting to happen, and he's still great when he needs to be, but it's just not there on a nightly basis. And, like, Jalen Brown is there on a nightly basis. Kevin Durant, right now, he's there. We know Jalen's going to be at that level for another four or five years. KD, it's like you just don't know. And so is trading Jalen for KD this year going to dramatically change your title chances? It's going to improve it, but is it going to change it so drastically that you're willing to shorten your window so much? It's a really tough call. You know, I've always been in the favor of leaning towards going for it because it's just like Katie's that amazing. Right. And if you like the, the Brooklyn team around Katie is not functioned the way it should and not nearly functioned the way that the Celtics are functioning. So if you put Katie on this team, maybe it's like the Warriors all over again. So, you know, I say why not go for it? But you know what? They love Jalen. Jalen is worthy of their loyalty. He has been phenomenal. He's been a great member of the community. And he's been reliable for this team through real thick and thin. So I think it was fair. You know, maybe it wasn't even the optimal basketball decision just because KD is, like, one of the best players in the game. But, like, it's a a surprisingly loyal move from a team that you just don't see that kind of stuff these days. Is Brown sensitive to the trade talk? Like, is that side? Does he have his antenna up about that? Is that why Wick felt the need to sort of reassure him? Uh, No. I mean, I think... I think any owner would want to do that for their star. I mean, Jalen, I think, has done a good job of trying to push that noise out because the noise has been so overwhelming. So I think he's done a pretty good job of managing that. And I think he's as sensitive to it as most people would be in that situation. I, I think it's. I think he handles it in a pretty normal way. I the other sort of follow up, I guess, would be you don't get upset about you know being in trade rumors unless you really like where you are and you want to stay here. Is that safe to assume with Jalen Brown? Yeah, I know I've heard so many rumors over the years about him, like he's got to go to Atlanta or I think Toronto's even come up that he wants to have his own team. I really don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, Atlanta makes sense for him just because he's from there and he could have a big role in the community. 
But also, that franchise is a mess, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> does yeah. he really want to go there right now? He's on the precipice of winning a title. You know, maybe he wins a title, and then he's like, all right, I've won the championship. Now I want to go start my own thing somewhere. But I think Jalen is fine with the situation he has here. The people in his camp have never raised antennas with me about um, him wanting something else. And I think he's he's said and done all the right things that he possibly could at this point to establish himself at Boston. Uh, speaking of people who have established themselves, and we'll let you go on this one, Jared, Derek White has been playing out of his mind lately. Uh, Marcus Smart just came back on Wednesday. Should Smart be looking over his shoulder? No, no, they should be looking side by side at each other. I think D. White should probably be starting, honestly. Okay. The Celtics, you know, they have Well, then that means Smart should be looking over his shoulder then if White's starting. No, I think that they should be starting together. Both of them should? Uh, okay. I, I, I think there should be a Horford-Williams rotation in the front court. That was the opening night starting night. lineup, I think, right? Didn't White start opening night? Well, Rob, Rob is hurt, so. That's, that's right. That's yeah, why. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, White, like, whatever, who, who, doesn't matter who starts, it's really who closes games. And Derek White is a, is a I'd say, average, no, above average NBA starter, I would say. He is good enough to be closing on a nightly basis. The way he's shooting the ball this year, it's like, how do you not close with him? And, and you can say that about Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, I think, is leading the league at three-point shooting. But, like, the, you can see how White's overall impact has just been so damn good this year. He's comparable to Smart in his impact, which is really saying something. And so you want to keep him on the floor as much as possible, especially with the way he's shooting and moving the ball right now. All right, we'll leave it right there then. Jared Weiss, thanks so much for the time today. I know you're busy. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you again soon. All right, talk soon, man. All right, that's Jared Weiss of The Athletic joining me here on uh, Boston Sports Original WEEI. Quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue with our Celtics conversation. We'll get to your phone calls as well. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we also have a little bit of baseball news, so we'll get to all of that next. Covering Boston sports and beyond, we're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Boston Sports Original, it's WEEI, about quarter of three here. Christian Arcan with you, taking you until 4 o'clock. That is the Bradfoe Show, 4 to 6. We're going to talk to Scott McLaughlin, whose Sunday skate debuts tomorrow morning with uh, Razor. Exciting. A little late into the season, but whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The important thing is we're going to be hearing, uh, we're going to be hearing from those guys on Sundays till the end of the year, and those guys are both tremendous. We talk with Razor once a week. Uh, you see Scott around. Here's to be his debut on my Saturday show. I'm sure he's very excited about that. Very nervous about that. Not his show tomorrow, but uh, debuting on this one. We'll get a nice uh, teaser of what we're going to hear tomorrow as well. Um, I wanted to talk about this Red Sox news. Brian Bayo shut down for the weekend. Doesn't seem super concerned about it, but I'll get to that in a second. First, let's go to the phones, though. A lot of you waiting patiently. Matt is in Rhode Island, who has a take on Mac Jones. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, yeah, Arcan. Uh, was it you yesterday on, on your show? You were talking about David Carr the last couple of days and you know, how how great David Carr is. And... Uh, that's Derek Carr, and that was Jones, who's more into Derek oh, Carr okay. than I am. I'm not super into Derek Carr. Okay, okay. No, I was just going to point out I was steaming yesterday because you're talking about Derek Carr is just not an option for New England. First of all, he's he's in his whole career he's never won a game with it's been like under 35 degrees. He's 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 not top. He was the guy crying. Is that true? Like, he's never won a game in under 35 degree weather. Is that true? Facts. Okay. Facts. I'll look that up. Um, crying after the games in Indy. Like, you know, he's just not that guy. But anyway, like, don't you think, and I'm asking your opinion, the second time through with Bill O'Brien, like, he he's on that level of, like, Andy Reid. You know, I, I he's going to get these guys open. 
Like, we guys got to chill and give Mac this year. He, he will deliver the ball. I, I'm not a big Mac guy either, but I'm just saying when you get him in that system, like, you know, he, that's the other options of Jimmy G. I, I love Jimmy G while he's here, but he's not coming. And um, I just read an article that um, they're done with Rodgers in Green Bay. But, you know, with Bill, again, with Bill, mm-hmm. with Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, like, you got to think he's not an option either. I don't. Really I don't is. think that Bill, Bill Belichick loves Aaron Rodgers. When they played Green Bay, Bill Belichick gushed about how good Rodgers is. I don't know if that's in there, Stiz. It's probably not. But if there, if you could possibly, I, I don't have no idea if it's in here or not. But I remember there was a game a couple years ago against Green Bay, and Belichick was talking about Rodgers, and he like, <laughs> he like had he he couldn't stand up. He was like, he's so good. See if it, search Belichick so good Aaron Rodgers. Do you have it? No, but I'm efforting it. All right, if you, if it's in there, it's really something. He loves Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know if he still does because Aaron Rodgers has kind of left the reservation a little bit you know, since then. But he's still a very good quarterback. I mean, he's still a top flight quarterback. Uh, and when he comes out of his darkness retreat or whatever, where he just sits in the dark for four days, which I think is probably it's been four days. I think. He did that before the Super Bowl, so yeah, it's definitely been four days. Or maybe he's still in there because he can't find the door because <laughs> it's dark. I don't know. But either way, uh, that I don't think that precludes him from coming here because of Bill Belichick. Belichick loves him. Bill O'Brien? Listen, I like Bill O'Brien. I don't love Bill O'Brien, but I like Bill O'Brien. If we're talking about what's more important to the Patriots and the team this year, having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback or Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator, what do you think the answer to that question is? I mean, you know, I just I don't think that that's even close. And I'm talking to someone who likes O'Brien, but I feel like if you can, if you bring it in Rodgers, then you're talking about a different level for your team and your offense that a coach isn't necessarily going to get you there. I don't know. I mean, it's just me. Uh, and maybe Mac can get him there. And maybe they don't need to upgrade a quarterback, and that's entirely possible, sure. But, uh, you know, let's not act like last year didn't happen. It happened, and I'm not sure it was 100% Mac's fault. But what happens going forward here isn't, you can't judge it off of whose fault it was or what's going on. You have to judge it on the results. And the results last year weren't great. If we get off to a tough start again this year and the results still aren't good, then maybe you have to find somebody who just meshes better and who can take the coaching better and who's just a better player. You know, you may, it may end up coming to that this year with Mac Jones, unfortunately. I hope it doesn't because I like him and I think that he got screwed. And I think that would be kind of unfair. But you know what? It's the NFL. It's not about what's fair. It's just that's not the way it works. I am pouring through Derek Carr's splits right now, trying to find out what his record is when it's under 35 degrees and I can't find anything. I just can't find anything. <laughs> I see uh, outdoors. Outdoors, he's 46 and 58. I guess all all those losses, they didn't win any games when it was really cold. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't care really that much either because I don't want Derek Carr. I don't want Derek Carr. I think if you sub out Mac for Derek Carr, you're just basically walking in the mud. You're not really going anywhere. You're not really moving forward. You know, you're just, it's like you got, you're stuck in the mud and you bought a new car and that car's stuck in the mud now. That's what I feel like it would be like if you brought in Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr last year, his numbers were about as same as Mac Jones' numbers his rookie year. 
and that's last year Derek Carr with Josh McDaniels as his coach and Devontae Adams to throw the ball to. Um, Mac Jones's rookie year had Josh McDaniels as his coach also. Did not have Devontae Adams to throw the ball to. Ended up making it work with Derek, uh, not Derek Carr, with uh, Kendrick Bourne and, you know, Hunter Henry and the rest of the guys. And I'm supposed to look at Derek Carr, like, bringing him here with Bill O'Brien and these wide receivers is going to, what? He's going to start playing like it's 2016? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you expect. I don't know what you're expecting of him. If you're expecting him to come here and light it up, I just, I don't know. It's not that much of an upgrade over Mac Jones if it's even an upgrade at all. You know who it is an upgrade over? Zach Wilson and Mike White, (laughs) okay? Like, over there in New York, the Jets, they could sure use Derek Carr, and they'll probably do what it takes to get him if they can't get Rodgers or they can't get one of these other guys. They'll they'll put a full-court press on for Derek Carr. I could see that happening for sure. I know the Saints are also very interested in Derek Carr. There's teams that don't have quarterbacks that really want him. What's interesting, though, is that if you look at the Vegas odds of where Carr is going to land next, this is true. The Patriots are on that list. They're down at the bottom, but they're on the list. It's weird, right? They have a quarterback. And these other teams don't. <laughs> other teams that might be interested in Carr anyway. You know, the Saints of the world, the Jets of the world. I don't know about the Dolphins of the world. They may end up entering that conversation too. But I'll tell you what. If the Jets get Carr... I think I might like him a little bit better than the Patriots. A little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. They have the rookie of the year on offense and defense. <laughs> okay? The Jets are the Jets are in a good little spot. I know they missed the playoffs and everything, but they're in a decent little spot. And what are they missing? They're missing a competent quarterback, and I think Derek Carr can be that. I think Mac Jones can be that, too. Uh, but Derek Carr is a little more experienced, and he's also come a lot closer to being a great quarterback than Mac Jones has so far. Derek Carr was third in the MVP race, I think, in 2015, whenever it was. He was he's he's been a Pro Bowler, like he's you know the real one, not a Mac Jones Pro Bowl. He's been in the, he's he's put up those kind of numbers. He's done that kind of stuff. But I don't care what he's done. I care about what he's going to do, and I'm not sure that what he's going to do is any better than what Mac Jones is going to do. And that's why I wouldn't trade uh, Mac Jones for him. I was going to talk about Brian Bayo here. The Red Sox shut Bayo down through the weekend. He had forearm tightness. He threw a bullpen where I think he threw only breaking balls. I'm reading this off of Nesson. And Bayo doesn't really throw a lot of breaking balls, so they threw him in there and said, throw some breaking balls, Brian. And he said, okay. And he threw a bunch of them, and then his arm tightened up. And now he has to take the weekend off. Um, And that they're just trying to be cautious now. Don't be too worried. He's 23. He's fine. Core was saying all the right things. He's young. He's cool. We're just being cautious. Everybody's being cautious. Okay. Let's all be cautious. Because I'll tell you what. Brian Bayo going down with an injury now. Not that I have a whole lot of great, you know, <laughs> not that I'm super optimistic about this team and what they're going to do, but Bayo's one of those guys, you know, like Whitlock and Houck and, you know, some of these young pitchers, a couple players that you actually want to see. You want to see what they got. You want to see what they're going to do this year. Bayo's one of them. I want to see what Brian Bayo does this year. And he's tightening up. And I just, I saw that and I was like, great, perfect. The one guy, the one guy that I actually might pay, a, you know, pay a ticket and go watch this summer. And uh, now his, his forearm's tightening up. Hopefully it just will be better over the weekend. What I thought was funny is Ian Brown came out and said, as soon as they shut him down, he started feeling much better. Hmm. The, sec- the second they said, all right, Brian, you're shut down for the weekend. He's like, oh, oh, thank God. Oh, man. Hey, you know what? Arm's feeling better already. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> you just you shut him down like two hours ago. 
Now all of a sudden he's feeling much better. I feel like there's a little bit too much protesting going on here. Hopefully the guy's okay. I'd hate to think that there was anything this early on in the process that's going to uh, that's going to be a problem for him this year. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Red Sox and how sparsely populated spring training has been so far. Uh, you heard Curtis and Ken talking about it a little bit, the Sean McAdam report, that only a handful, and I do mean a handful of media outlets, were there to cover the first day of pitchers and catchers. And the president of the team, I don't even think, was there. Uh, we'll get to all of that after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 